This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn of the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to talk about day number two of minicamp by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Uh, not much. Just big deal. as usual. So it always happens when you big deal with Chris Nimbley. Nobody can top that. Not even Le'Veon Bell, who was at practice again today. Anything interesting? I heard that he showed off some of his classic deceptive moves. Yeah, I mean, there, there was some of it here and there. Uh, he, uh, Darnold hit him at the beginning of practice on a short little wheel route. And it was, that was a, a nice thing to see. You see him come out of the backfield and right up the seam, Darnold hit him and there was, he just burst right through. You could see that. And again, you see his explosiveness. You could see how smooth he is, but he, he still participated very, very little amounts here. He's still mostly just an observer watching and, uh, doing a little bit. Gase did talk about afterwards though, how, you know, how he was observing sticking his head in the huddle, looking at all the play, and then he'd come over and he'd talk to Gase and he'd ask, you know, what do you want on this play? What do you want on that play? And Gase even said that at times he made some suggestions. He's like, well, why don't, why don't I do it like this? And Gase was like, hey, that's actually really smart. So there's, there's a good, a healthy back and forth, give and take going on there. And uh, one of those types of things where you can see Gase saying later on that they learn from each other, that, that classic line. So there, there's some of that going on, but you do get a little bit of glimpses here and there of just what a special talent he is. Did Le'Veon Bell get any glimpses of himself? Because as I understand it, Adam Gase likes to have video screens on the practice field. Uh, yeah, the, got the one big screen up, which I keep joking about every day. It's at... <clears throat> And one of the end zones, and I know they're going to be doing red zone drills, and one of the quarterbacks is going to go with an overthrow, and it's going right into that giant TV screen. <laughs> I, I know it's going to happen. They said that they're going to be putting up more screens. He said this is something he learned from Jim Harbaugh at uh, Michigan. He started doing that. The explanation for it is about how <clears throat> it's so the players can after the play is over, they can go and they can look immediately to see what happened and correct something on the next players along those lines. I've yet to see anybody go over to that screen and actually watch it, though. Because uh, the first couple of days I was out there, I'm like, what is that? I don't understand what that's doing there. I, it would have made sense if people were running over and checking it out, but I have yet to see anyone do that yet. Well, that's because they haven't started showing episodes of Justified on that screen yet. Yeah, well, then everyone's going to have to fight me for the prime viewing seat. <laughs> They're going to say, Leo, what are you doing? Go out there and get the quarterback. But, Coach, I can't. Raylan and Boyd are about to do battle. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which, by the way, I heard that Leonard was a bit active today getting himself a sack. Yeah, Leonard got himself a sack. It was a nice little play, but, again, it's they're not in pads. It's not too much going on there. Uh, one thing after practice, Leonard talked about, I've heard this in the past a lot with uh, the secondary. The secondary always talks about this, where they keep like a running tally uh, point system where in the secondary, you get a point for you know a deflected pass, breaking up a pass. You get a, 
a couple points for an interception or whatever, and they'd tally it up, and then they'd have a competition amongst themselves. And Leonard said that they have that with the defensive line now for pressures and for sacks and for all those types of things. So he's, he got himself, he notched a little bit of, uh, you know, some points up on there for him. Um, but he said, uh, you know, I asked him who was, who was at the top of the board right now, and he said it was Br- Bronson Kafusi at the top of the board. So, you know, that that's probably has a little bit to do with the, the light, uh, way that they're going at it, the lines are going at it, not really fully attacking, not a whole lot of contact in there, a lot of power being thrown around there. But right now, Kafusi is at the top of that point system, that point list. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Before we get to the other highlights and lowlights of the actual practice, there was a fight today between Ben Braden and Nathan Shepard. And I got to say, I'm kind of disappointed in Braden because I feel like he should be respecting his elders. <laughs> yeah, you got to have respect for your elders like that. But uh, yeah, you could see a little bit back and forth. And it was hard to make out exactly what was happening from where I was. I heard they a loud incredibly loud thunderclap that came with Braden connecting against Nathan Shepard's helmet. That was loud. Like, it's still, the sound is still reverberating in my brain right now. My ears are still ringing from how loud that slap was. They're just lucky that Dennis Wazak didn't get in there to break it up because then they both would have been very sorry. Yeah, Dennis would have been clearing out everybody in that situation for sure. I know everybody thinks that Dennis is this friendly guy who uses emojis, but he's from Staten Island. Never forget that. <laughs> he, he is absolutely a friendly guy. He is awesome. But yeah, dude, don't don't poke that bear. <laughs> Another bear you certainly don't want to poke is Robbie Anderson because, boy, did he go off today, huh? Yeah, Robbie was, Robbie was absolutely tore up now. Prepare to move your eyes here, I know, but tore up Tremaine Johnson today. Uh, and we played Tremaine Johnson, played him actually pretty well, went up to try to get an interception, only went up with one hand, deflected it, but then Robbie still managed to come down with the pass. But other than that, every other play, Robbie was lined up opposite, uh, on the across from uh, 
Tremaine, and he just tore him up. It was he, Tremaine could cannot stick with him. He's not going to be able to stick with him. And whether you think that he can rebound and improve on last season remains to be seen. I I wouldn't hold out hold your breath on that, but I it's okay to hold out hope. But I don't think he's going to be able to stick the likes of Robbie Anderson at all. I think those days are long behind him. Good day for Robbie Anderson. Not so good day for Tremaine Johnson. Sounds like not a very good day for Quincy Inunua either. Yeah, it's funny because I remember yesterday I was talking about how Quincy, we would have been talking about Quincy having such a huge day if Darnold wasn't uh, overthrowing him everything. Well, today Darnold wasn't overthrowing him and Quincy was dropping the ball. He dropped three passes in the end zone today. One of them would have been a really tough catch, but he still more than likely should have caught it. The two of them, he absolutely should have caught. Yeah, on the third one, you could see he was visibly unhappy on the sidelines. He was obviously unhappy with himself. It's not like he was yelling at anybody else, but he kind of just like uh, threw his helmet down, not like not crazy, but a little bit of anger. And then he's just walking off, kind of by himself, like you know, walking that steam off because he was he was very uh, upset about his performance today. Not not a typical performance for him, but. That's what that's what these days are for. Go ahead and get that out of your system. We heard Darnold had a rough day yesterday. Any better today? Uh, a little bit better, but still not nearly as good as the last uh, you know last week and the week before. But he was a little bit better. He had two really really beautiful throws. Uh, he just I I have no idea how he did it, how he completed them. He threw through traffic, threading the needle, as they say. He hit Crowder on one of them, Herndon on the other one. Um, you know, he had he had a couple to Robbie, but again, the the one Tremaine should have had an interception on the other ones. Robbie was just, was just wide open. Maybe a little bit of hope on the cornerback front because two of the guys that we've been waiting on that were developmental prospects, Jeremy Clark and Derek Jones, look pretty good today. Derek Jones looked good today for sure. Jeremy Clark made a nice play, breaking up a pass there towards the end of practice. Um, but Derek Jones is definitely somebody to, you know, after the last couple of years and what we've seen in training camp, we know, but he's somebody you're going to be keeping an eye on and close eye on. And from who is on this roster right now, outside of the top three guys, which are me, Daryl Roberts and Brian Poole, right now I'd say comfortably sitting in that number four spot would be Derek Jones, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see, and we'll have to wait more to see, not just the training camp, but in actual preseason, and then if they play him in the in the actual games, which we know Bulls was always hesitant to do. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams, because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. What's the story with injuries? Any updates? Nothing big. Uh, it's still uh, Tom Compton and Neil Sterling were out today. Williams is still being brought along slowly. It was a, a little bit of a funny interaction there because uh, at the beginning of <clears throat> the press conference with Quinny, Quinn Williams, uh, reporter asked him about you know the injury, if he could explain what happened and walk us through it. And Quinn was 
nervous and like scared to answer. And uh, it was Daryl was asking about it. Daryl just hit him with a quick, uh, Nick Saban can't hurt you anymore. And then he got a good kick out of it. So did everybody else. So that was good. But he didn't want to get into it. Maybe a little bit scared still of, of Nick Saban and how that was going. But he's going to be fine. Uh, Gay said that they'll sprinkle in, in with some ones here and there. But tr- come training camp, he's going to be a full go. And same with Marcus May. Marcus talked at, to us after practice and confirmed that, yeah, he says he's 100% healthy. They're just taking it slow. Marcus is interesting. He, he, he was ready to to be get the red penny off and to be cleared for contact. And he wants to fully participate, but they're just taking it easy with them. And he understands it, but he's definitely itching and ready to go. But that's about it as far as injuries. They're pretty clean otherwise. Poor Quinn and Williams getting bullied by Father Flannel, Daryl Slater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely funny, though, because you can see that he was nervous. And then, but once Daryl hit him back with that, that Nick Saban line, that, that loosened everything up. We were all laughing. We got a good chuckle out of that. I saw there was another weird question that was asked to Quentin Williams about whether or not he's got to work on his power, which is bizarre to me because I watch a ton of his tape, and he's strong as a bull, and he was constantly throwing triple and double teams around in the SEC, so I'm not sure where this question came from. Yeah, it was funny. If uh, It's up on the Jets' website. I encourage anybody to go check it out just to see Quentin's reaction to it. Because he was genuinely baffled by the question, he was he was like, "What? Uh, what, uh, what? Watch my tape!" Like, and then uh, came back and said, "You know, that's what the scouting report says." And he was again, he's just like, "Oh no, man, throw on any tape." He's like, "I was a nose tackle in the SEC." <laughs> like, I don't know, you can't be that and do that without power. And uh, he was genuinely just completely confused how this could even be a question. And I was just kind of sitting there looking at him like, I don't know, man. I watched the tape. I don't, I'm not questioning your power because we've talked about this. We talked about this leading up to the draft. You throw on that tape and you just see him ragdolling people, double and triple teams, like you said, but just tossing people. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can watch any of his tape and, and say that power is a problem. One of the first, uh, you know, attributes listed to him is speed to power. Like every single scouting report I saw, anytime I saw someone talk about it, and when my own eyes, when I threw on the tape, that's what you saw, speed to power. It's right there. So I don't, it, it was definitely weird, but go ahead and check that video for your own amusement just to see the, the pure confusion on his face as he as he's uh, trying to think of how to react to it. It was it was quite hilarious. Everybody knows what I think of Quentin Williams, so you can only imagine what my reaction would have been if I had been in the press room. I probably would have had to walk outside because I would have been laughing so hard. Yeah, well, that's one of the underrated tough parts about uh, about this job. Sometimes you're in there with somebody who asks some wild question like that. And you have to do everything in your power to maintain your composure. And it's not that easy all the time. This is one of those times. Because you're not trying to show up any other reporters or anything. But at the same time, as baffled as Quentin Williams was, I was as well. So, 
You have to keep your composure and make sure that you don't laugh or give some sort of inappropriate reaction, which is also what the guys who answer your questions have to do. You got a chance to talk to Adam Gase before practice and then some of the players after practice. Let's start with Gase first. What did he have to say? Anything interesting? Uh, you know, not too, too much. But the one thing that I did see that are, that I found most interesting was him so willingly admitting that, yes, they are indeed thin at cornerback. And that is something that they will keep their eye on and something that they will look to improve on. He was also asked about Jonathan Harrison in that center. And if, you know, he really wanted to try to upgrade. And he said, you know, we're always looking to bring in more competition for every position. He gave that generic answer. But he did specifically say, yes, we are thin at corner. And then they also mentioned that safety, if, you know, they have an injury there, they're in real real trouble there. He was careful not to to say that they're not, he's not happy with the, you know, the top three corners that they have. But he was definitely saying if, if they have an injury there, if they have an injury at, at safety, then there's some real troubling concerns there to worry about. So that was the big takeaway from uh the presser this morning with him since we're on the subject of cornerback you think there's any chance the jets look into darius slay i mean i would imagine that they'll look into it and see i'd have to i haven't taken a look at what his contract situation is like um you know he's he's an excellent player has been in the past but i would think that more likely scenario is still just to wait for training camp cuts and something like that when when it comes up to add some more depth along the that way. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While we're on the subject of players the Jets could look at, and we're going to get to what some of the other players in the locker room said in a second, two other high-profile players have more or less demanded a trade. One of them is Duke Johnson, the running back from the Browns. The other is the outstanding multiple-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle from the Washington Redskins, Trent Williams. You think there's any chance that the Jets try and get in on either one of those two? I'm going to say it's probably pretty unlikely on both for different reasons. Uh, the Trent Williams one, as much of a huge upgrade that would be, and I, they would be foolish not to look into it and check it out. I would expect that he's probably going to cost a pretty penny to trade for. I don't think you're getting him for, for anything cheap. Uh, if they can somehow do that, then absolutely do it. He is a great left tackle still in this league. He is World better than anything the Jets have right now would be a huge help for this team. I'm just a little wary of what they would have to give up for him and if they'd actually do that. And then also, you have to factor in that Adam Gase is the GM right now, so I maybe it's not something that I'll rule out because he would obviously improve this team. But right now, just thinking about what it might cost, it, it seems like it would be a little costly. And I would think that somebody out there is going to be willing to pay more than that because he's that valuable. So, you know, if they can do it, whatever they pay, it can be worth it. 
Uh, but I just I have a hard time pinning it down and saying that they're going to be making a real hard push for that at this point. Duke Johnson would be a great fit here, especially to be the backup of Le'Veon Bell. He'd be a better fit than Tyler Montgomery, but I just don't see them going and doing that. Maybe if you could get him for a sixth or seventh round draft pick, maybe you do that, and then you move on from Montgomery, or you could even make Montgomery the third guy and move on from Elijah McGuire or Trent Cannon. But I don't know that uh, if that's the case that they're really going to be looking to do that. It would be a good move, though, in case, you know, you have an injury to Le'Veon Bell. You could have him do a lot of the stuff that Le'Veon can do. Obviously not at the same level, but he is an excellent receiver out of the backfield. So it would absolutely be worth looking into. I just don't know. that It's a little crowded right now. And I don't know if that's something that Adam Gase and the Jets are going to want to do, even though he would be a perfect fit in Gase's system. So, again, I definitely can't rule that out, but it just seems a little crowded right now for them to make that move. The Jets may or may not trade for Darius Slay, but they do have a couple of corners with significant NFL experience playing in regular season games and starting. One of them is Brian Poole, who came over from Atlanta. He spoke to reporters in the locker room after practice. A couple of other guys did, too. Share with me, if you will, Chris, some of the highlights of what these guys said after practice. Not true too much. Uh, Brian Poole just talked about at mostly how he's happy to be back playing with Marcus May. They spent a lot of time together at Florida. That They talked during their time at Florida about how great it would be to be able to play together. Poole played with a, another former Florida teammate, Keanu Neal, in Atlanta, and now he gets to come up and play with Marcus May. So that's something that really excited him and worked it out. Um, and the interesting thing with Marcus May, and not just what we talked about before, about the injury and how he's itching and ready to play, he was asked about having to give up the number 26 to Le'Veon Bell and if, uh, you know, what the terms were there, how happy he was with it. He was very coy. He didn't want to get into it too much. Somebody asked him then at the press, is it the car? He said, you might see me in something. So I, I don't know what it is he got. We'll probably I'll find out at some point. But he got a big bag or something the equivalent of a big bag. I guarantee you that because – uh, maybe I know who's going to give that up, uh, 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 give up something big for that number. And Marcus had no problem. You can tell on his face that he was like, yep, all right, cool. We got a deal. Let's do it. So it was, it, that was definitely funny. Uh, so we talked about um, Leonard Williams. He, he did talk about how he's in uh, a little bit better shape. He's worked a lot on his conditioning in the offseason. He did a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu and, uh, you know, different MMA-style uh, stuff to train. And I talked about this before. You can see that he's, I, I don't know how to say this, slimmed down, but it, he's slimmed down and bulked up at the same time. Added more muscle, lost a little bit of fat. He looks to be in better shape. Uh, but he's talked about that. He worked on his conditioning a lot and the, the jiu-jitsu stuff, knowing how to, you know, throw his, his weight around a little bit better and use that. He's hopes to use that to his advantage. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I'm going to break some news here, Chris. A source close to the situation tells me that the compensation Marcus May got from Le'Veon Bell is that Le'Veon Bell is allowing him to use his HBO Go password so that he can finally finish Season 5 of The Wire. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's a little more expensive than that. <laughs> it's a pretty valuable concession, though. Yeah, it is. 
but I'd also uh, volunteer to give Marcus May about any of my like six wire season DVDs that I have laying around because I bought them like four different times when I was moving from place to place. Uh, I, I lost them or forgot I had them at this place, and so I went and bought them again. So I'll have multiple uh, sets of the, the whole series lying around. I don't want to volunteer to give it to them for free. That may be enough to satisfy Marcus May, but it probably wouldn't be enough to satisfy any of the guys that interviewed for the New York Jets general manager vacancy. There have been all kinds of reports flying around today about what's been going on with that. Adam Schefter reporting that all four candidates had follow-up talks over the phone. They were trying to figure out where they were at money-wise. Ian Rappaport was reporting something similar and also indicated that Scott Fitterer might have a much better chance at the job than most people thought. Sounds like he interviewed very well. Jason McIntyre saying that Joe Douglas does not want the job because the Jets wouldn't come to terms with him money-wise. Her Jason Lock and Fora reporting that... Joe Douglas is still very much the guy, and there's posturing over money. I'm not entirely sure what to believe, but my working hypothesis here is that Douglas is still the leading candidate. Perhaps Douglas's agent, Jimmy Sexton, is trying to work the Jets through the media to get a few extra bucks for his client. That said, I also do think that the Jets do like the other guys that they interviewed and are certainly willing to to consider the possibility of hiring one of those guys if they can't come to terms with Douglas. Is that about where you think this is at, Chris? Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at with this. Um, we're at the point where right now there's we're in this smoke session, smoke season going on here. There's a lot of posturing stuff being thrown out there, which sounds like one side trying to leverage the other side. So it's a little bit confusing right now, the last couple of days, trying to take what you hear and, you know, how much weight do you put into this and how much into that. Uh, some conflicting things here and there. What Most of what I want to go and I want to believe, or not I want to believe, but feels most believable is still that um, there's uh, Joe Douglas is still the favorite. I, there's definitely been some more rumblings about money situation coming up, but it's not real clear. Uh, if if I was told that, you know, they've been talking to all these guys about money, uh, you know, what type of money they're looking for, expecting, talking about financial details with them, and then if they would actually, I have a hard time seeing that they're going to hire GM uh, after what the firing McCagney when they did everything, all the negative press they got for it, that can, they're going to expect to get a top GM candidate without paying for top GM candidate money. But this is the Jets. Maybe I'm giving them and uh, Christopher Johnson too much credit there. So it, it, I certainly won't rule it out. But it's it's hard trying to figure out what is real of what I'm hearing right now. Right now I'm going to stick with Joe Douglas as the favorite. But if that doesn't get announced by tomorrow or Friday, then – then I'm going to start backing off there, regardless of what I hear. If, if this doesn't get by, done relatively soon, then, yeah, I'm going to start getting more and more thinking that uh, it might not be Douglas. Rappaport indicating that Fitterer is a serious candidate is interesting to me because he's the one that you really didn't hear any buzz about. And it's funny because when I needed information about Fontenot, about Peyton, about Kelly, about Douglas... I knew people that cover those teams, and they immediately said, sure, I can come on and talk about that guy. I can give you plenty of information. With Fitterer, I reached out to a bunch of people, 
And the ones that got back to me more or less told me they didn't have anything to give me on Fitterer, which is really weird for a guy that's been with an organization for such a long time. So maybe he's just super impressive, but nobody beyond his inner circle really knows what he does. If he does end up getting the job, it would be really interesting because, like I said, I felt like he was the one guy that didn't really have a chance at the job. We'll see. I think, as you said, a lot of this is agent speak, but I also do think that the Jets like the other guys and are sitting there thinking that if they can't close a deal with Douglas, they'd be happy to get one of those guys. And I also think that it's still a possibility that maybe one of those guys could come here even if Douglas becomes a general manager. So this is going to definitely be interesting to monitor. And Chris, I'm with you. If they don't wrap this thing up by the end of the week, I'm not going to say I'm going to get nervous because, like I said, I'd be happy with any of these guys. But I'm definitely going to be curious about what's going on if they don't have something done within the next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just it's we're at the point now. You know, they had the second uh, round of interviews. Or they talked to them. I think it, it was I, could, I had trouble pinning them down, but uh, they're all spread out. So I'm assuming it was a little bit of video, video phone conferencing going on there. They're, they're getting to the point now, and uh, if it's not done really soon, then then you can really start to wonder, is, is there some quibbling over money? Are these guys still, uh, you know, Woody Johnson coming back, the instability of the the franchise? Then, then you can really start to worry about that. I, I understand fans worrying about that now. I wouldn't worry about it now. I also, we don't, any of these guys, we have no idea. People who know these guys really well and actually know what they do have no idea if they will be a good GM or not. There's no real way to know this. It's just like with players, drafting players as a crapshoot and then promoting coaches from coordinator coaches, even more of a crapshoot. And then promoting some front office guy to GM is the biggest of crapshoots. You don't know. They could be really great at evaluating talent and players. And are they going to be really great at the, great at the whole entire job and everything it involves of being a GM? So I, I understand fans are getting into this and really want their answers. But you're gonna you're gonna end up rooting for this, whoever they get at, the, at a certain point. Once they do it, you're gonna be fully on board. As long, basically, as long as it doesn't come out that they missed out on Douglas because of five hundred thousand dollars, or they had to hire one of the guys because everybody else ran scared. I think you can be happy as long as one of those two things isn't what happened. The general manager search still in full swing. Day number two of minicamp in the books. And we move ahead as the New York Jets get closer and closer to training camp, which will come up at the end of July. Chris Nimbley, thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Very Big Deal. Appreciate it as always. We will talk again over the weekend when we do our trademark patented weekend mailbag. And I think there's some talk of a special guest joining us, so we'll see if that happens. But in the meantime, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what you've got coming up over at JetsInsider.com. Yeah, you can check at JetsInsider.com. We'll have uh, some more stories, wrap-up of uh, more of today's practice, and then get into a little more detail on some of the stuff that the players said afterwards. Um, And then, you know, next week we'll have uh, some more OTAs coming up, and we'll sprinkle a bunch of stuff there. And then between those practices and the six-week break before training camp, 
we'll do a bunch of articles about positional breakdowns, uh, you know, positional battles and stuff like that. So we'll keep uh, churning out some content. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter. Read his very big deal work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.